Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Robbie Motter, the host of Diva Strategies for Success. We're each Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I bring you dynamic guests, and today we have another fantastic guest. Her name is Valerie R. Shepard, and she is known as the, the Sherpa of Happiness. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Sherpa of Happiness Valerie Renee Shepard guides people to create success and fulfillment through experiencing authentic happiness. She is a recovering corporate marketing executive on Radical Sabbatical with a diverse coaching background and expertise in helping business leaders create high-performance teams and drive increased revenues and profits. She has been praised for her coaching ability and results to her career. She speaks to numerous audiences, including corporations, spiritual groups, and major universities. I personally have heard her speak on two occasions, and she is fantastic, and the audience just loves her. and They leave with great tips. Valerie is a 2012 nominee for both the Orange County Business Journal's Woman in Business Award and the two. 2012 NAFI Rising Star Award. She is a national bestseller author with Greg S. Reed of Everything is Subject to, Di- to Change, been published in award-winning 1111 magazine, and is a contributor to Ezine, Divine Caroline, and The Natural You. Her latest book, The Happy to Be Me Handbook, is due out soon. For more information about Valerie and about what she's been doing, you can visit her website at http www.heartoflivingvibrantly.com and that's heartoflivingvibrantly.com Welcome Valerie, I'm so glad to have you on our show. Good evening, thank you Robbie, it's really wonderful to be here. I appreciate that introduction and, and the kind words you said about seeing me speak, I appreciate that, thank you. Well you're great. Uh, why are you called the Sherpa of Happiness? You know, one of my clients tells me that. We were talking about some stuff going on in his life, and um, he was saying that he was so pleased that I was finding a way to kind of lift the heaviness of it and to, without turning it all into jokes and laughter, just help him find uh, a more likable ground from which to observe what's going on in his life and then create some greater potential for something better to happen. And so that kind of stuck, and I kind of like it. It, it feels good. Well, you're always happy, so I think it fits you great. Tell me uh, about, tell us a little bit about your journey and what you call happy to be me state, and why you want others to know about it. Oh, that's great. Well, and what you just said about I'm always happy that's new because I that's that's not the old Valerie. So in in the past. I was very serious, very driven, very much about getting results and very focused on how other people saw me and trying to measure myself and create my idea of who I was by how well I was doing with outer things. And the idea of happy to be me um, comes from the transformation that I've done in my own life. And it, it, the capital M-E in happy to be me is, stands for magnificent essence. And I talk about the journey from Mighty Ego, which is lowercase me, which is what I was, really focused on my personality and my stuff and my credentials and my identities, and not on the real truth of who I am. You know, the nature of us as 
um, spiritual beings having a human experience is that we are real, really divine essence. We are image and likeness of the divine manifesting in each moment of our lives. And when we connect to that, that joyful state of knowing that can be the guiding, the, the guidepost, like the, the um, lighthouse in any storm for us is to go back to that place. And so that's what the journey is about. It's, it's the four steps of waking up to that truth, shaking up and releasing the stuff that is not a part of that truth, making up a new story of the kind of life we want to live and the relationship we want to have with ourselves first and foremost, and then taking up the reins and creating that through a practice every single day of the rest of our lives. How did how long did it take you to find this new person? Oh, boy, let's see. I think that I um, had a wake-up call in 2005, the end of 2005, where I ended up in an emergency room here at Hogue Hospital in um, Newport Beach, California, uh, feeling like I was having a heart attack. And I didn't know what the heart attack symptoms were in a woman, but there was something going on for sure in my physical body. And the machines at the emergency room validated that. And after a a more diagnostic test beyond the emergency room, we found out that I hadn't really had a heart attack, but I had had some cardiac activity, as they would would call it, and they would also diagnose me later with a benign superarrhythmia, which basically means there's a lot of stuff going on in my heart that really there was no physiological reason for. And that was a wake-up call, like, okay, something is going on inside of me that is emotional and spiritual. It's not physical. And at that moment, I had to make some choices around what I was going to do in order to kind of right the ship of my life. And so in 2006, I started doing spiritual journeys, and I went to many workshops and worked with several different spiritual master teachers and did some deep internal work. And it's an ongoing it's an ongoing process, Robbie. I don't right. think I'm done. I feel like, you know, as you always say, show up. Like for me, showing up in my life is about continuing this journey and being comfortable and okay with it without judging myself somehow for not still not getting it is what I hear people saying. No, it's not that I'm still not getting it. It's that I'm just going higher into my consciousness as I go deeper into myself. And it's a beautiful ongoing journey. Isn't it wonderful when you can do what your passion wants you to do instead of, you know, something that you just dread getting up every day to go do? Yes. And, you know, it's absolutely important that we get clear on what that is. And for me, I I wasn't sure for a long time. I had done so much of mutating myself to kind of fit um, two things. One was what other people thought I needed to be doing or who I needed to be or how I needed to show up. And the other one was my own false idea of, of how I needed to do that and how I needed to show up. And for me, that was all about, you know, kind of these false beliefs about, well, who am I as a woman? Who am I as a black woman? Who am I as a teacher? Who am I as a number of different things? And they were, a lot of those were rooted in fear, old old tapes around shame and blame and, and guilt and, and self-judgment that really you can't create from that stuff. It's it's not going to serve us. And so until we really start to release all those old ideas of who we are, it's really hard to, to, to pinpoint what it is that is our passion for many people. Right. Do you feel that happiness can be sacrificed for the sake of money, prestige, responsibility, and love? Oh, absolutely. I feel like I did it for a while. I know lots of many of my clients come to me because they have that wake-up moment, like, wait a second, I'm not happy. I've given too much of my time 
to these outward ideas of what success looks like and pleasing other people, a lot of people pleasing and a lot of hanging on to things out of fear. You know, people, right. when I first left my corporate job, so many people would relate to me in terms of, wow, you're so courageous, I could never leave my job. And I really, at first I thought that was kind of kooky and funny, but then I thought it was kind of sad because there's nothing worse than hanging on to something out of fear. It's like that doesn't really serve us, and at some point it's a house built in sand. It has to crumble in order for us to claim the, the truth, which is we don't need to be attached to things that aren't serving us. We need to release them and move on. And I know that that can be a daunting proposition. Everything I've done hasn't been easy. It's kind of been simple. The simple part is the choice. It hasn't necessarily been easy, um, but it's better than hanging on to things out of fear. Right. I totally agree with you. Your focus is on what you call the heart vibe. How does that help people connect to authentic happiness and have more vibrant lives? Well, the heart is... um, the most powerful guiding system that we have. It's interesting because in the Western world, we are so often focused on our intellect. You know, we we spend a lot of time feeding the, the knowledge machine. We get um, high school diplomas and college degrees and master's degrees and doctorates. And I'm not saying that, that any of that's bad. I have a master's degree, so all of that's beautiful. And I've done other kinds of certifications and things. But when it starts to identify who we are, like that's how we identify with ourselves is through the head and through our ability to answer questions or remember information or keep up with the news. Um, The intellect is actually running us. And the intellect is really, that's all rooted in the ego. And, you know, I do a lot of work around the heart relative to the teachings of the Institute of Heart Math. And heart math is um, the study of how the heart actually is powerful in our lives as a guiding system and as a place where our intuitive essence lies. So when we can tune into the heart, in fact, it's been studied and proven to be 40 times more powerful. There's an energy field surrounding the physical heart. So I'm not talking about the chakra, that energy system. I'm talking about the actual physical heart that is um, 40 times more powerful than the same kind of energy system that surrounds the brain. And so the heart map, the Institute of Heart Math has studied the dynamics of how we can drop our energy. They actually have tools and that can measure this, um, monitors that can measure when we're dropped into our heart, when we're actually running on heart energy. It's called heart coherence. And when we can drop our energy into our heart and, and guide from that place, we're more compassionate beings. We're more open and available to wisdom that comes in from our intuition and not just our intellect. We're more connected to, you know, what I call our divine essence, that aspect of us that surpasses all understanding. It's like it's a knowingness beyond the intellect. So even when you look at something that's very black and white and the intellect would say a yes or a no, there's a there's a gut reaction. I'm sure you felt it when you get mm-hmm. a gut reaction. And sometimes it doesn't withstand the intellectual test. You, you get a feeling, I should or I shouldn't, or yes or no, and and it doesn't make sense according to the intellect. But when you follow it, you end up getting on the other side of it, and you go, oh, my gosh, that was totally perfect. It was absolutely true. And there are other times when I've listened to my head over my intuition and been completely wrong and the worst because of it. And so yeah, when I talk about – go ahead. 
I said sometimes we get it in the intuition and we try to analyze it, and that's where we get into trouble. Yeah, we spend a lot of time going, well, you know, my gut says to do that. And then we go, well, let's figure out all the reasons I shouldn't listen to my gut. And that is a, it's a very Western practice. And it's a thing that um, what I talk about in the heart of living vibrantly is really about helping people um, get out of their heads more. I mean, we absolutely need our heads, right, Robbie? We, we need them. They, they sort, they process, they analyze. They memorize, they do all kinds of things that we need in our lives. I'm not advocating that everybody just stop using their wise um, brains. What I'm suggesting is that um, when we lead from the heart and we use the language of the heart as our guiding principle and we use the heart to pull the rest of the physical body and the rest of the mind and spirit into coherence, we have a completely different experience of our lives. So compassion, um, patience, tolerance, all of those things are the language of the heart, whereas fear, competitive comparison, um, those kinds of things are the language of the intellect, where we're constantly measuring ourselves up against other people and their accomplishments, so either they're less than or we're less than. And so that comes from this constant comparison that happens when we're really, really deeply mired into our into our heads without the balancing, really dynamic, uh, spiritual, intuitive wisdom of the heart. And, you know, one of the ways that I test this is I ask people, point to yourself. You know, everyone point to yourself out there in the audience land, and I bet you 99% of you pointed to the center of your chest, and nobody pointed to their head. It's very rare. I've done this in many audiences. And we identify intuitively with our hearts. We don't necessarily intuitively identify with our heads. That's a learned behavior. The dependence on the intellect is a learned behavior. And so the heart vibe is just this magnificent place where we can sink into oneness with ourselves and oneness with the universe and be guided in a much more intuitive um, and powerful way. Wow, that that is. I I try to always go with my intuition, but sometimes the head gets in the way. Uh, uh, tell me about your work with kids and teens, because they're our future. You know, it's wonderful that you are out there making a difference with them. I love it. I love it. First of all, they remind me to um, stay in my playful, childlike self. I mean, I love playfulness. I love laughter. That's why I'm an improv comedian. And um, I love being in the energy of that lightness of being, like that that fun, carefree aspect of who we all have inside us. We just have forgotten. Many of us have forgotten what it feels like to have reckless abandon and, you know, dance in the rain with our clothes on and, and goofy stuff like that. And so I love working with teens. I've worked with, I've worked with youth my entire life. My first job as a young person was as a rec um, counselor recreation counselor, and so I've on and off been involved with mentoring teens and kids and coaching them. I coached a, a 12 and under soccer team many years ago, so I love this work. Right now I'm a volunteer with the um, Screen Actors Guild literacy program called uh, SAG Book Pals, and we go into schools and read aloud to kids. And apparently when you're reading aloud, it helps them 
with visual imagery inside their heads and with hearing um, and translating. It's really powerful literacy work. Wow. And so that's some of what I do, and I love it. And we, I never leave it at just reading because I try and spend time with these kids at a deeper level. And so we talk about things going on with them, with their cultures and um, the dynamics in their households and what's going on with bullying in schools and, and things like that. And so my latest big endeavor is a beautiful project up in Agoura Hills in Calabasas, California, where I'm working uh, with a campaign called Rock Life. And it is a collaboration between my company and Mitchell and Juliana Richmond. Mitch Richmond is an NBA basketball player, former Lakers, a retired Laker. And, uh, and it's all about helping teens and kids build really deep self-esteem and really connected to spiritual laws, not just human laws. Helping them at a young age do what I didn't do and most of my contemporaries didn't do, even though we went to church. Right. build a really powerful sense of self that is rooted in divine, spiritual, universal wisdom. And how to use that starting at a very young age to create a life that is just magnificent. What age group are the kids that you're working with? Right now I'm dealing with high school. So um, 15, 14, 14 up to graduating. And... uh, and um, some college, some young, you know, suicide, depression and suicide are pretty prevalent right now. Uh, right. Something like the, the numbers on what's going on in these two, two communities is pretty sad. Among college students, suicide is the number two cause of death. My goodness. Car ac- number two. I couldn't believe it. I think only car accidents lead to that. And then among, among this total group, like 15 to 24, suicide is the third leading cause of death. And, you know, the numbers on bullying, like 30% of kids between, I think, 15 or 13 and 19 have been some part of the bullying equation, either having been bullied, knew somebody who'd been bullied, like, by observing it, or was a bully him or herself, you know? And I think in this last week, the the young girl in Canada who committed suicide. Right. That's, and that's a, you know, a bullying story. I can relate to it because I felt bullied when I was a kid when I was a teenager, and it had to do with race, racial bullying. And so, you know, working with them to help them manage these situations in a way that is empowering for them, in a way that allows them to keep moving forward instead of opting out. Right. And so that's what Rock Life is all about. It's a it's a beautiful campaign that we'll, we're, we're working on it now and, um We'll be kicking it off with the first big event in January of 2013. But it's all Are you looking for people to donate to the cause so that you can expand it? or? Oh, absolutely. We're starting here in Agora Hills in Calabasas. And the reason we started up here, the Richmonds live here. Their kids go to school up here. And there have been um, something like 14 suicides in the last year. Oh, wow. I mean, it's just—it's too many. It's, right. You know, it's, it's just well, I'm sure helping them with their self-esteem is a great start, and to let them know that, you know, that sometimes these people that are bullying—it really isn't about them; it's about the person doing the bullying. Absolutely. I mean, and that's that's just a really powerful truth for all of us. Whenever someone says whatever we experience from other people, 
is, is many times more about them than it is about us, how we react to it. And this is what I want to help these kids understand. When someone calls us a name, they're showing us who they are. How we react to it is when we show how, who we are. Right. And so when we, can, when we can respond from a place of um, compassion but also confidence in who we are, that what they're saying is not necessarily true just because they're saying it. And even if they say it in, on Facebook and there are 500 likes, that still doesn't make it true. Right. And so helping them um, connect with a strong sense of self that hopefully doesn't have to withstand that kind of cyberbullying, but if it comes up, that they're better able to is what I'm all about. Oh, that's great. I'm just, that's just so wonderful. And I'm sure that once these kids get through some of this, that the statistics won't be as high for these suicides because they'll have a better stronger inner being to, to deal with whatever they have to deal with. Absolutely, and that's that's my mission and vision right now with this Rock Life campaign is, you know, we're starting here in California, and we very quickly want to expand beyond, beyond uh, the state and into other areas where we know that kids are hurting and they need, they need a light. And the interesting thing about this is um, it's, suicide is one of those subjects that I think doesn't, People don't want to talk about it. There's a lot of pain around it. There's a lot of shame and guilt. A lot of people take on, I, I should have known, and they judge themselves. Um, and that's just not necessary. And, you know, there's this beautiful quote that I love by Sir uh, Winston Churchill. Everyone stumble, stumbles over the truth from time to time, but most people pick themselves up and hurry off as if nothing ever happened. And see, the oh. thing about this, the stumbling and the struggle is there's a wake up call in there if we're willing to if we're willing to not just pick ourselves up and move on, but pick ourselves up and look in, like go, Ooh, what's in this for me? What is in this for me? Yeah, what do I then need we, to learn from this and what can exactly. I do to make a, make changes in me to move right. to the next level? And that to me is the essence of your showing up. But we're showing up for ourselves as opposed to showing up for others. And that's how we actually, in my mind, you know, that's how we actually show up for others is we create a very strong, confident, loving, compassionate, empowered being of ourselves. And then we bring that being into relationships and situations and we are showing up for others much better. And, and a lot others. of times when we share our stories, others feel, oh, I'm not the only one with this issue or problem. And, and so then it doesn't become as big. You know what I'm saying? A lot of times when... You think you're the only one in the world with this, and then you later find out, oh, others have experienced and came out of it. So there's hope for me. And you know what you just described to me is the idea of letting our light shine. So often we talk about letting your light shine as take your gifts and go out there and live them and breathe them and make them successful. And I think that's powerful and beautiful. It's wonderful. But there's also a way to let your light shine where you're just sharing your experience and you're willing to tell the truth about your experience. I have felt bullied, or I have felt sad, or I'm I'm judging myself about something. Like having an authentic conversation is where other people are called into showing up as well. And right. I love that idea of letting letting our light shine, and that's what I want to do with these kids. I think especially in neighborhoods like Agora Hills and Calabasas, where the standard of living is so high, I mean, I see 16-year-olds driving BMWs that are more expensive than the car I drive. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not trying to poo-poo that. But what I'm saying is many people, I think, 
feel like if you've got money, what have you got to complain about? And yeah. But then they're true. trying to live up to what everybody wants them to live up to, and it may not be I, who their authentic self is. I totally agree. And that's some of the conversations that I've had with some of these kids, and even some college kids who feel trapped by other people's expectations of what they should be doing. And they're going to med school, and they don't want to be a doctor but they're trying to please their parents. And I'm like, well, when is that? Like, okay, so you're going to come out of med school with six figures worth of school loans, then what are you going to do? And then are, is that when you're going to go join the Peace Corps? Like, seriously? Like, and and helping them figure out how do you have that conversation? How do you right. How do you really do what is your calling and make peace with the fact that guess what? It's not going to please everybody in your life. Well, you're right. What is what is the number one thing you do to stay happy? Mm, my number one thing is meditation. And the reason meditation is number one is because it keeps me connected within. It reminds me to um, stay in the place of root, like really anchoring myself deeply into a knowledge that this physical world is not all there is. These silly human games that are played in the physical world are not the de- the definition of my life. And that by connecting to a deeper idea of who I am, which comes from inside, it comes from my heart, it comes from connecting to universal wisdom and universal law and image and likeness of God, when I am there, that's where I can connect to the peace that gives me the stillness, that gives me the ability to guide myself in the places where I can be happy. And so oh. it's, for me, it's meditation. I tell everybody... Get busy doing some meditation. Why is that my mind? Do you meditate every day, Valerie? Every day, sometimes on a routine basis, twice a day, and sometimes more depending on what's coming up. And, you know, I've been doing it now for probably 15 or 20 years. And I started with just 15 minutes. You know, people say, I don't have time to meditate. Well, guess what? I didn't either until I made time for it. So I decided that I that I was the most important thing in my life. I am the most important thing in my life, and therefore that which keeps me primed has to happen. And when I make that kind of commitment, it doesn't it doesn't get missed. You have a book coming up. And tell us about the, the upcoming book and what it's going to be about and how people can get a copy. Oh, I'm so excited about this book, Robbie. I didn't really... When I said, you know, well, actually, other people told me I should write a book. I was like, what are you talking about? What do I have to say that anybody wants to hear? I mean, that was the conversation in my head. And when I got beyond that, like, guess what? How about shining your light in this thing? I got to the book. And the book is about happiness. It's basically the four-step process that I teach and um, put into a book form. It's called The Happy to Be Me Handbook. And the publisher is Launchpad Press, which is out of Florida. We're very excited to be working with them. And it's it's a combination. It's really cool. It's a um, it's a great companion for this journey to a more happy life. And it's a a marriage of a guidebook and a journal. So the guidebook portion um, talks about universal spiritual wisdom. It talks about the foundational principles of my four step happy to me process. And then it shifts into a journal. So there's some articles and things like that to support the wisdom sharing part of it. And then there are about 100 different actionable, practical steps that people can try on in their lives to do the shifting that we talk about in the four-step process. And then there's journal space for them to not just 
like I give them suggestions from what has worked for me and my clients. And then there's also area for them to capture their thoughts and their feelings. There are real-time questions in the book and space for them to, to write. And then there are suggestions for doing things that we break up into three areas, kind of you with yourself, which is the most important relationship in the world, and then you in other situations and with your routines, the routines of your life, that part of your life that you kind of identify with very strongly as who you are and what you do in the world. And then the third section is you in the greater world, like who are you to your community? Who are you to the world? What's the legacy that you're leaving? And how are you playing in that realm of even thinking about what's the legacy that you're leaving? And you don't have to be a Rockefeller to leave a legacy. It could just be that you leave children who are empowered to take a beautiful journey of their own. And So, so how um, can they get in touch with you and... Um, get their name on your list so that when the book comes out that you can let them know. Go to my website and click on our online community. And the website is heartoflivingvibrantly.com and you'll see an invitation to be a part of my online community and the announcements and specials for the book um, will be going out through that uh, that communication link. Can they email you through the website as well? or Sure they can, and I'll give you my email right now. It's Valerie at heartoflivingvibrantly.com. Valerie with an E, V-A-L-E-R-I-E. Yay. Very good. Well, I'm sure the book is going to be great, and I can't wait for it to come out. I'll have to get, get my copy and get a signed yes. copy from you. Yes, you will get a signed free copy. Oh, well, that's wonderful, and we'll get it out and get it, promoted when it's when you're ready but i want to thank you so much for being my guest today it was wonderful and for those of you that have tuned in or will be tuning in later you've been listening to valerie shepherd who's known the sherpa of happiness and her uh, website is heartoflivingvibrantly.com thank you valerie and uh, we will connect again very very soon Thank you, Robbie, and blessings and success to all the divas out there listening to your success strategies. I love the show. Thank you so much. Okay. You've been listening to Robbie Motter, the host of Diva Strategies for Success, where each week I bring you a dynamic guest. Next week we will have Alicia Kramer from Wisconsin, and the topic is going to be talking about hypnosis for success in life and business. So until next week, Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. We look forward to talking to you. And tune in and listen at your convenience because once the show is ended, it is is, uh, uploaded to archive, and it's always there for you to listen to at any time. Thanks for tuning in. Bye now.